Hello and welcome to another episode of What If It's Cool, the show where we talk about anything and everything that is cool in the world today. I am the bargain bin special, that is Daniel Paul Crow. With me is the buy one, get one free, Trip B. And lastly is the online only special, that is Tim. How are we doing, boys? What else do you get with me? Oh, my God. If I'm oh. buy one, get one free, what else do you get with me? Sarcasm. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, just... Oh, man. This is... Did you spend all night coming up with these? Well, I expect better if he did come up. Like, you know, if he spent all night coming up with it's this. A, it's the Dan the Cram special. <laughs> it just seems lazy. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, a lot, lot of prep that went into that intro. <laughs> I mean, like, if there's half as much prep that went into your preparation for these movies, then I'll be surprised. <laughs> Why am I friends with you guys sometimes? God. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We're we're asking the same question, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the main reason why I was saying the bargain bin and, you know, buy one, get one special, because generally the movies that we are covering today are ones that you generally do find in these bargain bins or the buy one, get one free sort of uh, parts that you find in JB Hi-Fi, Target, Kmart sometimes when they used to do DVDs. So today we are going to do On Deadly Ground, which stars Steven Seagal. And also, Knocked Off, which stars JCVD, or John Gonverdam. We're going to get started with Steven Seagal's movie, On Deadly Ground. Tim, can you just give us a sort of a brief uh, summary of the movie? Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be able to do this one justice if I tried to describe it myself. But if you look it up on Google, it has a pretty interesting, <laughs> pretty interesting little description. <laughs> Forrest Taft, a troubleshooter for a big oil company, learns that Jennings, his boss, plans on using defective equipment for a new refinery despite the harm it can cause and decides to expose him. Gripping. Just gripping stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, people would... If you heard that as this movie had come out, as the description of arguably at the time one of the biggest action stars in Hollywood... You wouldn't be rushing to the cinema to watch it back then. You know what? The trailer looked pretty good. I I did not even see that. Yeah. I, I went right into this. Bit of history here. This was actually, out of all of the Steven Seagal movies that he's done, this was the one that we owned on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about my dad, but he knows how to pick them, really. <laughs> And then in addition to that, I think the other one that we had on VHS was Executive Decision. Steven Seagal dies like 40 minutes in. Oh, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's actually one of his better movies, too. Uh, that's probably the reason why it was a good, better movie. Out of all the ones that he'd done before, you know, as he as his star started rising in Hollywood, th- this was the one that I... Like, I, I remember talking about it with a uni friend, and he was just going... Yeah, this is where it all went horribly wrong for Steven Seagal. I think if you get an action star that writes, directs, produces, stars, especially with the caliber of Steven Seagal, that automatically spells doom. He didn't write this. Didn't he write it? I thought he wrote it. No. Oh. Points for your research there, Dan. I thought... Oh, man. I got... Well, I got it wrong. Sorry. (laughs) I just, I, all I just remember was when when the cue card started coming up, you know, it said uh, Seagal, you know, p- uh, film, and then keep going, and I was like, oh, man. Well, this is the only one that he's ever directed. And thank God it's the only one. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I mean, I must say it's terrible, but, like, if you looked at the, well, I didn't see the poster of it at that time. I remember when I first watched this, it was... Definitely on Channel 10 at like 10.30. You know how like the 8.30 slot is usually the the time where like, you know, the action movies or the better movies show just to compete with AFL, just to steal your yeah. attention. So, this mm-hmm. is the time slot afterwards where nobody can give us <laughs> stuff and it's usually like, you know, people that just come home from late night and see what what's on on TV. So, this was on... And I remember when they were showing ads for it, and I'm thinking, man, like, this is like a star-studded cast. I mean, you got Michael Caine in it, 
and you got Ali Hermy. Like for those that don't know who he is, he's the drill sergeant from a Full Metal Jacket, and he in real life he was actually a Marine uh, drill sergeant as well, and he you know put that into it. But I thought that would I mean you got like big name actors, legends even in this movie, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's going to be a hit. Yeah, but. And I've got a confession to make. I was talking to these guys beforehand. Like, I couldn't watch this again because one, <laughs> I don't think I could put myself through it, and number two, I, uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I decided to put, <laughs> I decided to look up on YouTube. Okay, actually, the first thing I did was trying to find it on YouTube. Then I got like a Hindi version or something. <laughs> I don't understand it. And then. <laughs> I decided then to look at the like the best bits for, of it, and the best bits are like uh, I guess like the death counts and some, and there's this like epic monologue that Ali Hermy goes into. But I think oh, uh, that that is a thing of beauty. That's <laughs> like that is that is hands down one of one of my favorite things. I think he he almost steals the show. But him and Billy Bob Thornton, they both have oh, pretty memorable. Like, yeah. yeah, like and he's only got a bit part in this, but yeah. They just have really memorable lines, but the the thing that that Billy Bob was saying, uh, oh sorry, Arlie Ermy was saying, how can you not like he just sold the the deadliness of Seagal's character so well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like he was he actually made him sound like a convincing threat. Like he goes, you know, my guy in DC tells me that this is not a student we're dealing with here. This is a professor. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh my god! And the way that he says it, I was like, you, ah, oh, you are a genius. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I just the one the one person that caught caught me on guard being in this movie, and the moment I saw his name, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be a good movie. It was um, I'm probably I'm probably going to stuff his name. Is it is it John C. Uh, McGinley from Scrubs, Doctor Cox? I I I I love his movie, like like lo- love him in Scrubs, but this one. Hard to take him seriously with those glasses, man. And especially when they when when they did the interrogation scene, he, he's like, ah, just just going off like that. I, oh, I, it, that was cringy. Did he scream like that? No, he was he was just going off, or going off like that. Like not uh, like scream, like it's not like a high pitched scream like I did because unfortunately I screamed like a girl. But it just came off more comedic than it was meant to be intense. I still think that that was. That was pretty uncomfortable. That scene, that whole interrogation sequence. So they're they're smashing Hughes' fingers, like they're breaking each one with the with the like I don't know what kind of animal bone it is. But where did they use the like? Where did that pipe cutter go? Did that? Did they start cutting his dick off? No, I think they were cutting his fingers off. Okay, that's what I think. I mean, I I I don't know. It was it was uncomfortable. Like this one, this started verging on. On you know like horror schlock, uh, yeah. It was it wasn't it wasn't very pretty to see, and I think that was the whole point. But you know it seemed so. It seemed like a bit of overkill and and out of place. Like I don't think I've seen something like that in a Steven Seagal movie before. But mm. look, I admit it's been a long time since I've watched his uh, his really extensive catalog of director video hits. Hits are putting a very like giving a bit too much richness on that one i'd just say just direct a video movies i would say all right dan yep <laughs> we'll go okay, with what you said let, okay let's let, 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 let let's let the cow back i don't like steven seagal i never have i just oh dude like yeah this is just setting it up for failure now <laughs> <laughs> i don't I, i'm i've been honest i'll be honest i don't i've never liked his movies don't like the remember that that show he did uh, uh lawman where he was you know even though it was a reality tv show i didn't like that just don't like them. All right. Well, before on deadly, too. before on deadly. Yeah. <laughs> see, look, this is the thing. You actually gave all of that shit a go. <laughs> what What about his earlier stuff before on deadly grounds? So above the law, marked no. for death, under siege, no. under siege, no. out for justice, no. under siege two. No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> out for justice is great. <laughs> I don't like. I I I I don't like him. I just don't. I just I just don't find him entertaining. All right. Is it is it the ponytail? Is it because you can't grow a ponytail <laughs> like that as magnificent as as splendid as that? Hey, I used to have a. I used to have. A, I used to have really long hair back in the day. Okay. Were they extensions? No. <laughs> 
not not to go too off topic, but my hair was braided as well. So wow, okay, yeah, yep. It's almost yep. like you were trying to be like Steven Seagal. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, yeah. Listening, listening to his music and watching his Lawman series. <laughs> so he 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 was. Did he have a band? Wait, this is this is new to me. So he had a band. What was the band called? <laughs> No, it was just it, it was he, it, like his solo albums. He did he did solo albums. I don't I don't oh, know if he actually had a band band. Okay, what was his album? Like what was his uh? Oh, can't let's move on. Like, jeez, <laughs> did he sign it for you? <laughs> did you go to his, did you go to his conference that he had in Australia? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. We've, let, let's let's bring it back to the movie because yes, like this is what we're here to discuss. <laughs> Look, I, I'll say this much: the cinematography at the very beginning is pretty awesome. You know, like he's got some really nice shots of of the wilderness in there, and then you know, like you see like snow-capped mountains, you see you know like some of the nature such as the American Eagle, but then but then that's comple- immediately contrasted with the. Uh, the disaster at the oil rig and that, that's how we're actually introduced to steven seagal so you get this awesome shot goes from the boots up and then you know when he turns around he lights a cigarello which i found kind of weird like i was like okay like i mean he's sort of like i was reading this he doesn't want to show his fans images of him drinking alcohol in films because he thinks it sends the wrong message but at the same time he's okay with sparking up a cigarello i just what found that yeah i found that really unusual but, yeah, so he plays this guy who puts out all these fires. I, I just love the exchange at the beginning. So, like, he's obviously talking with a former colleague, the guy Hugh, who got tortured in that scene later on in the film. But, well, Hugh says to Forrest, you used to be a good man. Now you're nothing but a whore. Then Seagal shoots back with this awesome, awesome one-liner. For $350,000, I'd f*** anything once. <laughs> And when he when he says that, <laughs> the mind just the mind kind of wanders when you hear a line like that from especially from Steven Seagal. It's like and later on in the movie during that really messed up dream sequence, he has to make a choice between you know this this young naked temptress, and then this old lady with and a tambourine. He- <laughs> <laughs> He turns over to the old lady, like, you know, and he's got his hands clasped together like this. He just turns over like this. Is the next scene going to cut to him making love to this old lady? (laughs) I got that vibe too, and I was like, oh, where is this going? This is creepy. But then, right, yeah, I mean, then it cuts, and then he's sitting next to her. I was like, I couldn't get over how bad that that dream sequence was. It was all levels of of screwiness there. It was just, it was, it was ludicrous. It had insane imagery, like him. There, you know, there's him running through a forest, and then all of a sudden, there's a bear. He jumps on the bear. I'm like, what the? There's f-? a crow. There's. <laughs> he starts wrestling with the bear, and then you just <laughs> see a rag doll get thrown into the river. It's like what the what the heck is going on now? Like this is what was the what was the bizarre. deal with the with the girl with the girls going <laughs> like that? Like I, the I, hyperventilating? I, yeah. Like why did why did they need naked tribal people? I I don't know. It was unnecessary nudity. I'm just like, what the hell's going on? But that whole bit there was just like, have you do you remember the Simpsons movie when um the big boob lady and Homer were in the thing and he goes <laughs> and I'm sitting there giggling, thinking, is this is this where the Simpsons got that from? Because that is hilarious. Maybe. Yeah, look, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that that's where they got the inspiration from. They're lampooning this, but yeah, the the nudity was just not necessary at all. I read somewhere that some director, uh, wait, someone who worked on the picture with him, mm. they were saying, yeah, like, yeah, we, we don't know why the nudity had to be thrown in there. <laughs> and, and, I mean, like, you know, as recently as a few years ago, I mean, like, there was a lot of talk that Seagal is quite a creep. So maybe this was like the, the genesis of that, you know, that sort of imagery leak, you know, th- that sort of imagery being in the movie started leaking out. And uh, yeah, it's basically from his uh, his perversions. Sidetracking a bit, reminds me of that 
this episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know, uh, Danny DeVito's character, Frank, and like, he decides to, uh, because they were trying to make Lethal Weapon 5, and he just decides to put, like, a random, like, a random sex scene in the, with, like, a hooker in there. <laughs> was it sort of on the level of The Room, that one? Was, was, do you think they were taking off, they were sending off The Room? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I Uh, I only saw that episode again recently, but it was brilliant. It's so good. Like I said, Charlie Day is a national treasure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so is Frank. I think Danny DeVito is also a national treasure. That's what this this movie needed. It needed more of that zaniness. If they were going to go for a zany, they needed to throw dudes like that into it. (laughs) But the, uh, what about the bar fight? What did you guys think of the bar fight? Bar fight or or constantly hitting people in a nuts fight. That's what I sort of took from it. Yeah, I, I there were quite a few nut punches and nut grabs or 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 knees or kicks to the nuts. This whole movie was it just should have been it should just, it should have been called on nut shot ground or something like that because every fight had a nut had a nut shot of some sort. Wow. And I mean, on, it's effective. How, lo- how, how long did it work? How, how long did you work on that one? <laughs> I actually just thought of it now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but no, no. But it, the the fight, the fights were pretty. I mean, the, like they're decent for a, for a movie of this caliber. But it just, I, I don't know. When you hit somebody in the nuts, it's kind of like, okay. I mean, it's like the easiest shot to do. But come on, there's other I things you can do. Though. Yeah, I think this didn't really. This didn't really have the choreography of his earlier work. Like you don't really get a sense of him being an Aikido master in this. You know, there's some there's some joint manipulation and some you know redirecting of force and throws and what have you, but just all of it looked so lazy. I mean, even the bit where the fight starts and then he sort of climbs onto the table to deliver a kick, it was like the laziest looking kick that you could have ever seen. You know, like he did some other cool stuff i guess like you know when he i mean like he did a back body drop on someone but i kind of i kind of liked i wanted to see more of that joint manipulation because you know he's done it so many times and the bar fight in out for justice is probably his most memorable you know especially just seeing the way that he takes on people but this it just it looked it was glaringly obvious that it was just a bunch of stuntmen waiting their turn to get their asses handed to them yeah, and it didn't even look great. I mean, but some of the some of the lines in it were pretty good. I mean, you know, so obviously the fight started because there was a racist patron who was making fun of the Native American man. So Steven Seagal steps in, but Steven Seagal is just so sedated whenever he delivers lines. I mean, it's like a near whisper all the time in every single one of his movies. You know, like I, this, he goes, you're a man, right? Are you a man? Just like oh, this is—it's so so cheesy. But then, yeah. like, he challenges this guy to the hand slap game, and I was like, "What the f- are we doing here?" I didn't mind that bit. I thought I thought that was a that was, although like I found it funny. I, I thought it was actually uh, pretty effective for what they were doing. Well, I liked the lines. I mean, I liked when he was like, "Oh, here we go, Mister Big Balls." <laughs> but after he kicks the living crap out of him. He, he t- <laughs> becomes a teachable moment. And he just goes, what does it take? What does it take to change the essence of a man? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the racist guy sees the error, the error of his ways. He changes his tone. He's like, I need, I need time to change. Time. <laughs> we all need time to change. Oh, gosh. Bravo. Bravo. This is... <laughs> This kind of felt like it, it. Kind of felt like a uh, a GI Joe sort of message. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it wouldn't have been so out of place in something like that. You know, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> I think I think it could have worked if that was in a GI Joe episode as opposed to this, because it it was just so weird. Like you know, you never see him do stuff like this where he. You know, where he has a lesson to impart, you know, normally he just kicks the crap out of everyone and then he's on his merry way. Yeah. But what one of the one of the characters I really liked was Michael Caine. My favorite line he delivers to the entire movie 
I don't know if you, I don't know if you felt the same, but when he when he goes and says, "We all know the FBI can't find a hooker in a whorehouse," like I just like, what? Where did that come from? I I I love that line. But the thing is, if you look at his facial expression, I think just like when he did Jaws, I think it was Jaws three or Jaws four, he's phoned it in. Like he, he he's clearly doing it for 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 the money. Trip, do you want to say oh, no, something? No, 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 no. I just can't remember him being in Jaws 3 or Jaws 4. Uh, he was in one of the Jaws movies, and he's openly admitted that he did it for the money, and I feel like the way he acted in this one, he was doing exactly the same, because half the time, like, his face just stayed the same. It just looked like if he, if he was sad, it's like the same face. If he was upset, if he was happy, it was the same face. I'm like, uh, okay. The work in this was just so, so off. I mean... The whole movie is about how big business is evil. Like that message is just thrown at you throughout the entire film. And you know, to that effect, they've got Michael Caine playing the, you know, the CEO of this, this oil conglomerate. And he's so evil that he has henchmen that torture and murder people for him mm. so that he can achieve his goals. It's, it's, it, it's just so in your face, but he does have some, you know, he does have some memorable lines. I mean, I, I did like when he was filming the advertisement to say that their company, Aegis Oil, cares. <laughs> you know, like immediately after filming, he's just, he just loses it. He's like, these animals stink. Bring me a washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that he's got the Texas uh, tie thing that you see on The Simpsons, um, the Colonel guy. He's got, if you look very close, he's got the exactly same thing. I was just like, is that where the inspiration came for that character? I'm like, Wow. Oh, I just I just got a kick out of that one. I think there's a there's a lot that you can get a kick out of with this movie. Like if you don't take it too seriously, like there's fun to be had. Mm. The the ludicrousness of that spirit journey is one thing, but I think my favorite would have to be it'd have to be the speech that he delivers in in the cabin, like to to Masu and and. Uh, Oh, Masu and a guy who he refers to as brother. I don't know if it's his actual brother. No, I think it's just like a, you know, brother, brother sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I don't know. There's just something about that scene. So I had to watch it a couple of times. I, I want to read it out, but it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just Seagal lamenting on like how awful the situation is, but how they forced his hand to have to take action against them. But if you watch it back, there's one part where the brother character is looking at him through his through his shades. He's kind of like, you know, what the f*** is he even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another bit. So he's basically chastising John Chen's Masu character about how, you know, he can't really go to the press and he has to he has to take action. But there's one bit where she's just looking up at the ceiling. And it's like she's thinking, when the f*** is this take going to finish? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because the speech itself is just so awful. I mean, you know, he's talking about, what do you think? He goes, uh, some angel is going to miraculously come down out of the sky and stop, say, 350 billion tons of oil into our oceans every year. Then he starts saying, like, oh, where is it? He goes... Maybe I should send my spirit guide over to Aegis One and stop it from going online so that Jennings can't f with you and your people out of your land and your way of life forever. <laughs> okay, I think... This is poetry. Maybe I agree with Dan now. I think I agree with Dan now. It sounds like something Stephen Seagal would have written. I think <laughs> there's no screenplay writer in their right mind that would write something like that. I think he might have. He probably would have inserted this into. into he ad libbed it. Yeah, he ad libbed. <laughs> I mean, it sounds. It sounds like. It sounds like one of Dan's ad libs, to be honest. <laughs> but the, this is this is an insane movie. It has some hallmarks of like you know awesome cigar stuff. Like you guys mentioned before, there are some pretty decent kills in it. Yeah, uh, I think the one thing that um, got me, especially at the end, you know when he does the full speech about the environment and all that stuff. <laughs> um, I, I, I wrote this down in my notes. Like, how the hell is he not in jail for the amount of people he just killed? Exactly. Like, he's, he's killed about 20 to 30 people. 
But, like, some of them are innocent as well. Some of them may just may have been doing their job on the rig. I'm like, thinking, you just killed this guy because he was just, he was security. What are you doing? Just knock <laughs> him out. Or, you know, tell him, oh. Even if he knocks him out, like, didn't the whole oil rig blow up? Like, everyone in there would have died, right? So, it's an act of terrorism. And yeah. at the end of it, people are, people are congratulating him, supposedly. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Like the fact that he hasn't been he hasn't been sentenced to death at the end of the movie is the most shocking <laughs> aspect. You know, and then he starts he starts lamenting how, you know, like big business won't let us, you know, invest in renewable sources of energy and that we need to have a committee of people who make sure that everything is, you know, can be broken down so that our environment isn't affected. I think the only line that I remembered out of that entire speech and get this, he shot 40 minutes of footage for that entire ending. When they were doing screeners and, and you know testing for audience reaction, that entire sequence at the end was about eleven minutes long. Let, let, let me get let me get let me guess this is this is how the reaction would have been. So the the scene's playing out and they would have gone like this. Yeah, exactly. No, actually yeah, people were angry and then yeah the, the studio, I think it was Warner Brothers or whoever, but they had to tell him that he needed to cut it down. So it, it went from 11 minutes to a not nearly acceptable seven minutes. Oh, <laughs> oh my he, God. He's, he's clearly, he's clearly, you know, buying into his own legend here, but you know, he was trying to leverage his star power to, to deliver messages about something that he clearly cares about. And that's fine. You know, like there's nothing wrong with that, but, like, you know, this was just jammed down the audience's throats. I mean, if he really wanted to do that, he, he could have just done, like, you know, maybe a series of public service announcements. But when you're trying to have a message about the environment, but your character is wantonly murdering every single mercenary or soldier that you come into contact with, <laughs> I think the message kind of gets a bit lost. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. But yeah, the only the only line I remember out of that speech was him saying the plankton are dying. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the stupidest bit of it. I mean, it it's it's one bit line of stupid in a lot of stupid. <laughs> oh man. I felt like I really did want to applaud the you know, after watching the movie just like, yeah, fantastic. You said you did applaud. <laughs> I felt like I wanted when, to. When you when you messaged us last night, you said you applauded that bit. Well, it was to try and g you guys up to see if you would actually if you would actually enjoy it. No. <laughs> oh. Well, let's let's move on to the next movie, Knocked Off, with Jean Claude Van Damme. I think uh, it's Knock Off, dude. Yeah, I don't, it is, what I yeah, say? It, you keep saying it, Knocked say. Off, and like I know. I... <laughs> Uh, so knocked off, uh, knocked off, knock off. Uh, <laughs> Chip, save me. Just go with the story, please. Okay, so the movie's called Knock Off, and before I get into this, just let me give you a little bit of an intro in terms of this director's like movies. I think when you when you watch movies like this, yeah, you kind of go into it with like maybe a little bit of anticipation, and you've got to kind of get an idea of what you're expecting so Troy Hark is almost like the Spielberg of Hong Kong cinema like he's created all these classic films from the 80s that I like and a lot of yeah people that love 80s 90s Hong Kong movies um, also love as well so he's directed movies like uh, a Chinese ghost story I think all the way to three he's also directed a better tomorrow one of the first films that got Chow Yun Fat famous He's done Swordsman 2, and I'm pretty sure he did Swordsman 1 as well. Classic Wuxia movies like that. And then he also re reinvented uh, Wuxia and also, well, reinvented in a way with uh, this l legendary movie called uh, Once Upon a Time in China, starring Jet Li as a folk hero, Wong Fei-Hung. So... With this type of, I guess, like filmography, you go into it, you're gonna, you're thinking that I, oh, hey, I'm gonna expect a masterpiece of some sort. Now, before I actually get into the movie itself, let me premise you with this as well. So, 
Jean-Claude Van Damme in the 90s, he did a lot of collaboration with Hong Kong directors. So he did one with John Woo. He did one with, I think, Ringo Lam. And he did two with uh, Toy Hark. Now, out of all those collaborations, I like Hard Target the most. I thought it was just... It just had just a lot of John Woo trademarks in that movie. But I'm not a, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about knockoff. But before he made this is his last this is his second actually let me let me say that again. So Choi Hark created sorry, Choi Hark made Double Team and he also <laughs> made this movie as well. So if Double Team was a Hollywood a Hollywood movie with Troy Hark as a director. This movie is a Troy Hark movie. Yeah, a Troy Hark movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now, I don't know if that makes any sense because it's basically a Hong Kong movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. Now, if I said that to you, don't tr- you can't treat it kind of like a Hollywood movie. You're going to have to treat it like a Hong Kong movie. Yeah. I I get I get what you're saying and I didn't go, I I went it the other way around because I thought it was going to be a Hollywood movie with, you know. Yeah. I feel really bad here. I feel bad here because I had to look up the Soy Hark filmography. Oh, dude. He's... Did, did he directed like maybe two out of the ten you mentioned? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're on point today, boys. <laughs> okay. So maybe I'll, I'll rephrase that, that he was a producer. I think he produced a lot of those movies. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 it's correct yes yes yes, yes but once yes. upon a time in china definitely uh, yep. produced a lot of the chinese ghost story stuff but yeah yeah i totally i totally agree with what you mean though yeah. he th- this did feel like a hong kong picture mm. with van damme thrown in so y- you couldn't have y- you could sort of expect this level of movie if you'd just replace most of the western cast with hong kong actors would you agree Yes, yes. And if you did do that, I think you get a completely... I think you get a movie that would do well in, like, the Hong Kong the Hong Kong market. But you know what? I haven't, I haven't actually said anything about the actual movie itself. I haven't even told you what the plot line is. I mean, this plot line is just absolutely amazing. I mean, like, you know, it's probably something... Like, if this actually happened in real life, I would say it's ingenious. I would actually think it's absolutely ingenious. So, I'll sum it. I'll sum it up in a couple of words. So basically, you got a, you got a, you got a bunch of bad guys. Originally, you there's many plots and twists throughout the whole movie. Originally, you thought it was Russian KGB, but apparently, there's a deeper plot in it. A lot of double crossing and stuff like that. So. You got people trying to hold the world at ransom with nanotech bombs in jeans and other things as well. Okay. Because people love counterfeit goods. People love counterfeit goods, especially Americans. And I would say a lot of Western people because they don't want to pay for the real thing, but they want to have something that looks like the real thing and get the acknowledgement for it. Yeah. So I think that's an ingenious plan. And there's only one person that can stop them. No, 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 wait. There's only two people that can stop them. And that's Jean-Claude Van Damme and Rob Schneider. Before I get into the action hero, (laughs) before I get into the main star, before I get into the main star, Rob Schneider, other than doing Adam Sandler movies in the 90s, other than being in every single Adam Sandler movie, or I wouldn't say every single Adam Sandler movie, it was probably, he cameoed in a whole heap. He was, he, he played the sidekick in like at least two action movies, like two other movies. Judge Dredd. Yeah, and I think like Surf Ninja or something. He's basically playing the same character. He's like, you know, the the annoying sidekick. He is. He does because they're all like former criminals or some or something or you know or an authority figure, but they're really bad at it. Like, yeah, but oh, I can, I, I can go all day with Surf Ninjas, but yeah, let's let's move. I on. just have to say that was an awesome <laughs> intro to this movie. <laughs> the, the only people that could stop them is Jean-Claude Van Damme and Rob Schneider. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and then chuck in like a whole chuck in a whole list of uh maybe semi-famous hong kong actors as well like hollywood have no idea who they are but they're in there like i think the guy's called michael wong he's like a hong like a halfy honky actor in there he's like he speaks american really really fluently but they use him just for that but he he's meant to he always plays the same type of character um in hong kong movie and this is like you know just a a veteran or like an experienced American liaison type of dude who's meant to be like, you know, battle hardened and stuff. But I think there's just something very like he's got a deeper, deepish voice, but there's just something very soft and sincere about him. So he never really pulls off the tough guy thing that well in it. But that being said though, is it just me or does he yell a lot throughout this whole movie? Michael Wong? No, 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 no. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He just oh, yells yeah. a lot. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. The movie consists about 80% of him just yelling and screaming. It's like, Eddie! who are you? <laughs> who <Eddie>! are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so there's that. And, <laughs> and there's just scenes that probably don't hold up today like at all. Like when I say hold up, uh, I reckon the cancel <laughs> culture would have just got rid of it. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. All right. If you guys think of a scene that you reckon would be offensive now, and, we, and we'll say it on three. Okay. Ready? All right. One, two, three. Rickshaw the race. Thing? Oh, oh. I'll say <laughs> the okay. witch? The rickshaw race. I was going to say the cleavage thing. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Okay, that, that was that, uh, that was really painful. But would that would that be would that be really racist now? Like, no, not racist, but anything that people would want to just cancel. Yeah. So you know, objectifying the the character that's played by Leela Rashan. Yeah, just the oh, way. Okay. I mean, like you know, just this, these gratuitous shots of her cleavage, and then Rob Schneider trying to you know canoodle his way into it. <laughs> And yeah, even that, that, I can't even believe I just said canoodle. That's just wrong. <laughs> but yeah, like that was really cringe worthy. It was it was awful to see. But yeah, the yeah. rickshaw race was. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so the rickshaw race. Okay. So this particular scene, they're they're racing through the streets of Hong Kong, and yeah, you know, without getting into the plot too much, it's just. A ridiculous setup. Like Rob Schneider's at the back, and Jean Claude Van Damme is just running with that rickshaw, and he's racing a little person right <laughs> next to him as well. While Rob Schneider's whipping him with a fish, and then Rob Schneider said, "Like, hurry up!" And they and and like you know, I don't like look. Jean Claude Van Damme gave the appropriate reaction. You get annoyed and pissed off. And then he decides to make horses noises now. <laughs> like, <laughs> many years later, actually, now I'll go into this afterwards. But there's just so many random scenes in that. I mean, like, I don't know. Look, Shoy Hark, amazing person in Hong Kong cinema, legend. But he was trying a lot of different crap in this movie. A lot of experimental stuff. Yeah, just like throw whatever at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the camera work was all over the place. Oh yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was very um, what's the word you would use? Like crazy or frenetic. Yeah, I think there was this yep. one particular scene. I don't think it pulled off. You know that weird strobing effect when they were in this like garage or something. Like yeah. they were running away. Yeah, the, and the and mirage effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like what the heck? What the heck? And then was that- and how dumb was it that like. You know, he sort of, yeah, so Van Damme runs towards Skinny and, and his yeah. men. Then he hides behind a pillar. Then it shows him, like, sort of, you know, shimmying his way up. Yeah. And then these idiots are running around the pillar in a circle. Going, oh, I've been there. Like, where is he? Where is he? Then he just gets the jump on them. I'm like, you guys are just, oh, this is so stupid. And then, yeah, that strobing mirage effect, it was just ridiculous. And, even some of the freeze frame stuff, and then it suddenly changes to like some the the reaction after it. Like, yeah. It was just really questionable. Like I didn't really find it very dynamic in terms of capturing any of the action. But yeah, when it, they it would was... do the zoom bits and into their face, and then all of a sudden, like it'll just be panned onto their eyes, not the entire face, and yet they're still speaking. That's why I'm just like, what, what, what was the point of that? 
I think a lot of this was dubbed when it when it was first released. So yes, yeah. Some some of the mouth movements are a bit questionable, but then yeah, the it, it really doesn't hold up well. And even like the CGI for the explosions that I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but it just reminded me of the really terrible CGI in A Man Called Hero, which is another Hong Kong film. Oh, yeah, it does not hold up well. That yeah. last scene when they're fighting on the Statue of Liberty. Oh. Yeah. It looks like a PlayStation 1 cutscene. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, the premise would be cool, but, like, you know, the Statue of Liberty looks like something a grade 6 put together on Photoshop <laughs> or something. I think the the way that the that giant Buddha statue that, that, that somehow was a base for the CIA... Yeah, like that was all done CGI, and when it gets blown up, I was just oh, like, there, this... had, there was a green screen, and like surely they could have spent a day just to go up and just film right next to it, but no, they had to get a green screen, and it was so clear because Rob Schneider's uh, hair—if you look very close, closely—it goes from black to white in some bits when when there's meant to be wind. I'm just like, how the hell does that happen? <laughs> like what? Like surely they could have spent maybe an hour just to drive up to the place get that quick shot, and then go home. But no, they just decided to do that, which would have cost them so much more money to do an effect like that. Mm. Silly. Yeah, the I I couldn't stand the attempts at humour. So... Oh, it was shocking. Like, even, like, the, just the way Van Damme is introduced, like, you know, like, he's, he's driving along in this really expensive car, singing along to a Cantonese song, and... He's just got a really cheesy grin on his face the whole time. Like, I couldn't take this attempt at being lighthearted very seriously, and it, it definitely didn't grow on me at all. Mm. And then even the slapsticky sort of thing. So there's a bit where he and Rob Schneider are having, uh, I think they're having yamcha. And he's, like, ripping through the shirt, just flexing and what have you. And, oh, no, this is a knockoff shirt. Oh, my God, blah, blah, blah. And then he... Yeah. You know, slaps his hand down on the table and accidentally gets tea all over Rob Schneider. Any time they they tried to have a banter between the two of them, it just it just yeah, it went up like a lead balloon. It was it it was not it was not fun to see. You know yeah. the one thing that I hated hated uh the most? Who the f gives away a BMW to some rando in the in the shop? No, he, he goes, told he told him you can take it for a spin, but only for a no, little bit. No, but then bit. he goes, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, oh yeah, it's yours now. And after he, after he gives him the key. Uh, okay. Yeah, like I want a I want a BMW. Like give me a, give me the BMW. Don't know if you could handle it, man. <laughs> 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 but anyway, I think I get your point when it comes to. Uh, like some of the really pointless over directing shots like yeah the cgi especially when they zoom into the electronics i mean mm. i i don't know i feel like it was really pointless for that you know how they go inside like you know a phone like a phone or a remote <laughs> control like you know wh why like you know we get the point but why yeah and then and another example of a really pointless scene as well do you remember the scene when, like, someone puts on their shoes and then you have, like, a shot of their feet yes. going into the shoe? <laughs> like, does this really help move the thing, like, move a shot? Like, you know, I move the movie along, you know? Like, yeah, what what are you trying to show me there? And it's Van Damme putting on the, the pumas. They're, they're not even pumas. <laughs> so, this movie this movie is called Knock Off and it's just about yeah, yeah, yeah. all the different yeah. types of merchandise that are that are imitations of real, of real brands. But... Yeah, like there was there was no need to show the inner workings of a shoe as it is put on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it's insanely distracting, but they even have like oh, this this is this movie is like all kinds of levels of awful. Like it <laughs> it's just so friggin' bad. But you've got the goofiness that's going on, but then you get like some sort of serious death sequences and i mean like that's what that's what attracts us to a lot of these movies action there's a bit where he's having a fight like a very unimaginative fight on top of a truck but then he kicks the bad guy and then the 
he gets impaled on a bamboo scaffolding rod. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I was thinking, like, well, okay, we're going, we're going there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of people that got impaled in this. I feel like, I like, I was, I was down for this movie when it first came out because when I was reading up on it as a teenager, there was talk that one, it's Van Damme doing a movie in Hong Kong. He's working with Soi Hark. Yeah. Action choreography was meant to be by Sam Hung, but a lot mm. of it didn't actually make it into the movie and the action that you do have is is really rote. Like it it just doesn't it it doesn't set your world on fire. Like there's nothing it's that memorable. It's subpar by any by any. Yeah, means. like I mean even that one against many fight in the market. So after after his his brother Eddie who I thought I thought it was awesome. Like he, op- Eddie gets killed off in a memorable fashion. He opens a safe and then a rocket fires out, carries him through the window, and then he just blows up against the wall. I was like, I was like, this is oh my god, this is nuts. But after that, you know, all of Eddie's men think that Van Damme and and Rob Schneider had something to do with it, so they're running away. Obviously, obviously, he had a missile. Oh, totally. Wire, carried the, a missile. Bit- the bit that cracked me up the most with that scene was when, so they, they run up something, then they land on top of a bunch of baskets containing durian. And the, you know, the bad guys all run past them, right? So they've, they've made their getaway, but then a camera, a security camera slowly pans over and then it goes over, you know, obviously hovers over Van Damme and Rob Schneider's faces. The second that that camera lands on them, the bad guys suddenly knew they were there. (laughs) (laughs) then they rip the baskets down you know they fall down and they have to start fighting all of them i was like oh yeah yeah this is gonna be some action but like what you see is is just garbage like the only thing that i liked in that was you know van damme doing like a knee a high knee to someone's head and then changing course and then changing that into like a sidekick but (laughs) you know like they they did not capitalize on on his physical talents very well in this yeah i I think they stuck to like a lot of just Hong Kong cinema tropes. And I think they don't, that doesn't necessarily translate well. Well, I wouldn't say translate well, but I think. Well, they didn't play to his strengths. Yeah, exactly. Which John Claude Van Damme is a martial arts action star, and you should play more to his martial arts. And like, yeah, and, and like, you know, I mean, there are some scenes where it's like a typical 80s, 90s, like um, Hong Kong action scene where with the guns, you know, that scene where they're in the dockyards and he's slipping and sli- like he's slipping through yes. the oil. I'm like, <laughs> that, look, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's pretty cool. I, I, I enjoyed it because I thought it's just how ridiculous it is. Yeah, like those stuff and, and your classic jumping and shooting scene. I mean, that's trademark. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's all that's that's very Hong Kong. I yeah. mean the, but the but some of it's completely useless movement. Like like it is so unnecessary. So, you know, Leela Rashawn I think is probably most guilty of that. They give her some real some real crap to do. Yeah. So she's she's meant to be shooting at some bad guys, but she, in order to get a better shot, she like suspends herself from the ceiling to shoot a guy. Yeah. And then even even uh, earlier, there's Van Damme, like, you know, while he's doing his slip and slide thing, he, uh, bad guy's coming up around the corner, and in order for him to shoot that guy, he needs to jump up, hold onto a container, and then fire the guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just all, like, there is nothing in this that is grounded in reality. And it, look, it's, it's amusing, but it isn't enjoyable. Like, that's, that was the main takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. And another trope is, like, Hong Kong, like, Hong Kong stuntmen and stuntwomen just putting, just going through death-defying stunts in slow motion. Like, you know that scene where they drive through the building? They actually, like, you know, they actually had a person in there. Insane as it is. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure the car was all rigged up. But if you remember closely, because they drive onto the back of a truck, like it's not a moving truck, but there's water nearby. But the car was literally centimeters away from people there, like, you know, five or six other people there. Some things from classic 80s and 90s Hong Kong movies like the Jackie Chan stunt team is that they go through death-defying stunts. People get broken bones, but they still carry on with the shot. You get a feel of that in this. But that being said... I think it was really poor 
the way that they sh- when they filmed a uh, an action sequence it was quite obviously it wasn't rob schneider it was just like you know some five foot six or five foot four chinese guy that just took his spot <laughs> you know what i mean like the when they swap out like a stunt double for that person you say hmm i'm sure you're caucasian like you know i'm sure that person's caucasian but you're asian that doesn't make sense so <laughs> there's a few of those in there that didn't quite work out for me but um hey look i mean you got to go into this with an open mind. And I think I was going to... Yeah, I didn't mention it before. Jean-Claude Van Damme, when he said he said in an interview, I think it might have been... I forgot it was a Variety magazine or whatever. He said he was he was on a lot of drugs when he made this movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he, can't, he can't actually remember like most of the stuff he did in this movie. And if he told me that, like, you know... It makes sense. It's really out of character. It does not... I, I don't think it's like any other role he's ever done. Because like, you know, his his other action roles are semi-heroic, you know? Somehow he plays like an American in his most other movies. But this one, he's meant to play like, you know, like... uh, Kind of like, you know morally like you know there's some heroic aspects to him but you know he's selling knockoff stuff or it's a king of knockoffs but that being said why why are you convinced at all that rob schneider is a cia agent how the hell no yeah not at all exactly like like everything about this movie is just bogus (laughs) you know like you're you're meant to buy that rob schneider is in the cia as well as leela rashawn yeah and then you know you're (laughs) <laughs> like this whole thing about knockoffs it just it just i was like hang on why do they even care about him at this point like you know they should just yeah like they they set a cia agent to go undercover and work with van damme to get closer to van damme's adoptive brother I was, <laughs> this is incredibly convoluted the whole movie is just so so convoluted that you trying to work it out is is madness <laughs> but you know yeah like it's look i mean yeah fair enough like he was he was probably you know on a lot of those drugs and stuff so that's why he doesn't remember it it's just by the sheer volume of yelling the sheer yeah. the amount of yelling yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think i don't think i can i can put myself through this one again and what yeah. made me mad was that they really did not they did not uh, they didn't keep a lot of the action choreography from from Sammo Hong, and a lot of that wound up on the cutting room floor, and that probably could have helped make the movie a bit more palatable. <laughs> so to to wrap this particular thing up, it's it was his last Hollywood movie because it was such a failure. I don't it did not do well. <laughs> It got panned by the critics, so then he decided that. So Choi Hak decided to keep his genius in Hong Kong rather than just to uh, show it to the rest of the world. I think he realized mm-hmm. that double team and knockoff was enough. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Well, let's 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 put it to the test. Was on Deadly Grand cool? Hell no. Nope. Hell no. That was that movie is just. It's batch crazy, and for all and for all the wrong reasons, you get you get a lot of stuff in on Deadly Ground that would sort of speak to a classic Seagal. So you know you've got some memorable deaths and all that, but you know it it all feels so shoehorned in. You know the whole reveal that he was he. <laughs> Although I do love how Arlie Ermi was saying, you know, this guy, you know, we're not, my guy in DC says we're not dealing with a student. This is a professor. <laughs> you know, like, I did like that. And, you know, he likes to play like these guys with shady backgrounds from, you know, like CIA, black ops and all that. But it just didn't come together very well, especially with like the, the whole messaging. You know, it, it almost felt like he needed someone to just jump out there and basically say message, you know, the whole time, because that's all it was. It was just him. It was just him trying to learn, you know, impart some of his wisdom to the audience so yeah like that was a it was a real tough one to watch because you know it, it arrived at a time when you wanted to when you wanted to enjoy it you know Seagal was so he was arguably one of the best at that moment in time and you know that was a that was a very big misstep for him yeah and knockoff what did we think 
Cool or not cool? <laughs> oh, look, I mean, there is a look. You chuckle now at it. It's definitely not going to win any Oscars anytime soon. <laughs> but like you know, if I want to have a light-hearted, like if I had a would if I want to have a fun like a fun with the guys and just put it on in the background while we're doing other stuff, I would do that. It's just yeah, it's awfully, it's awfully good because. <laughs> awfully good it's ter- it's a terrible movie but it's it's good for just how ridiculous it is it just highlights how how insane some of those things is it's over directed it, the scenes were choppy the experimental stuff falls flat rob schneider annoys the crap out of me i mean yeah, yeah you can you can play a game out of this movie you can play a game out of both yeah. of them and you know what knockoff is knockoff has probably one of the best one of the better setups and it's pro- it probably speaks to the time but the way the period in which it's set it's it's just before the handover of hong kong in 97 they make reference to it like big reference to it at the beginning but then they sort of just forget about it and then they try to shoehorn it in in various tv tv segments that are played in the background so it it, it had a very weak link to that you know so if they and like you were saying, Trip, if they'd actually made this for a proper Hong Kong audience, it might have done a little better, especially if you removed a lot of the the terrible, terrible English dialogue. And if you replaced a lot of the cast with actual Hong Kong actors, it might have found its audience because, yeah, like the, the plot lines are, are certainly not out of place for a Hong Kong movie. So that's no cool, not cool for you guys? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go cool on this one. I'm torn. Yeah, I am torn. Like, like I said, I mean, it's not going to change my world. I'll probably watch it once a year, maybe, just because it was fun. Uh, to be honest, other than doing my homework for this, I haven't seen this movie like in ten years. So to rewatch it, it just made me realize, man, this is just like a time capsule of like mm. what excessive '90s action slash Hong Kong movies are like. So mm. I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Rob Schneider and John Claude Van Damme was really bad in this. And the same thing I mentioned before, just a lot of the experimental stuff didn't work for me. But I had a good time. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think any of these were cool. Like they're not if <laughs> That's I, fair enough. If if I was to judge these against the yardstick of of, you know, so bad that it's good, yeah, they they fall very, very short compared to something like let's say Miami Connection, you know, because these <laughs> movie these movies are like Miami Connection. You know, it's meant to be bad, and same with Samurai Cop. But with these, you're expecting it to be good because based on the catalog that these two actors had, it should have been pretty awesome, especially at that part of their careers. So you know, Van Damme would then go on to release the second Universal Soldier movie, which sucked terribly, and. Seagal would go on to make Fire Down Below, which was another environmentally themed action thriller. You know, like it was Gosh. these two. These two just they were yeah they're trying to kick goals, but yeah they're falling terribly short. So yeah, unfortunately, mm. yeah, these are these are where they these missteps were what sort of led to their DTV hell. <laughs> well, quick quick question before we wrap up: Gun's been put to your head, and you have to pick one to watch. Which one are you going to go for? On Deadly Ground. Yeah, knock off. Knock off. I, don't, I just, I don't know. I just can't put myself through um, On Deadly Ground again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I was looking at that uh, that entire movie as, as yeah, I mean, look, it, it's definitely a vanity piece for him. And, you know, to see, I mean, obviously it means a lot to him, you know, the, the way, you know, taking care of the environment and what have you. But, yeah, like I, I just can't, I can't sit through the terribleness of Rob Schneider and and Van Damme together. Like, uh, even when they were trying to have banter at the very end, I was just like, please, someone, someone, end this, end this garbage <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Google Podcasts, CastBox, and of course iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a like and review. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and enable those notifications. 
Make sure to follow us on Facebook at What If It's Cool Podcast. Tweet us at at What If It's Cool. And find us on Instagram at What If It's Cool Podcast. Keep that support going. And until next time, folks, we'll catch you on the next cast. Peace.